Alright, welcome back to Last Week Chopped Up. I'm here with my boy Jeremy from sunny Southern California in our you know, going in December, maybe not so sunny. I don't know how it is out there. How you doing out there, Jeremy? Yeah, it is it is not sunny at all. There's actually some uh little bit of drizzle, you know. It uh it does occasionally rain in Southern California <laughs> is yeah. a better name for the song. Um so <laughs> having a very, very light uh drizzle today. But uh, you know, if it starts coming down harder might have to take this work from home advantage get a little midday rain nap in it's <laughs> not not a lot of opportunity i know you have uh, plenty of opportunity uh to do it so. oh yeah it, 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 it out here so like interestingly enough when it's like misting or drizzling the there's a the best weather forecast is this dutch weather app called bow and radar but it does not consider mist or drizzle rain there's actually a separate one called like drizzle radar which they which they said so we'll, we had to get used to it we look at it like ah it's not gonna rain we'll be out like it's for sure raining on us and it's cold it's like 34 degrees so any amount of rain is freezing cold and so it's like pretty we call it dutch raining it's it's almost constantly doing that out here. So yeah, that drizzle is part of our absolute daily life. You just walk outside and your whole body condenses with the water. Um, but you got a little bit. All right. All right. Well, what else is new out there? So a little drizzle, a little December, December drizzle post Thanksgiving. How are you doing? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's good. It's good. I forgot. Uh, I'm trying to think what happened in the last week, you know, sports ball, sports ball. watched a fair amount of that. <laughs> Uh, you know, went to a bar once or twice. Yeah, I think it's actually been pretty, pretty tame the last couple of weeks since we've done the pod, man. I guess, I guess I'm getting boring. Just trying to get to the holidays, you know, go, go back to Texas for like a week. So I'm just on the, on the push, wrapping up stuff for work. Get me back to Tejas, you know, and uh, step away from Cali for a bit. <laughs> I think we really got to start, like you said, recording the pre-podcast call because although like 80% of it is probably stuff we wouldn't want up on <laughs> on the world wide web not because we're saying anything terrible but just because we're talking a little bit of shit about people not not in a bad way right <laughs> but just kind of like well these people are full of shit and these people are full of shit but i don't know how much of that can we yeah. put how much that we put on a podcast uh, i'm not really sure i mean it was some of it was generic and not yeah. a very specific person who, if you heard yeah. this, you know, it is exactly talking about you. So maybe uh, we remove that part and then uh, just let everything else rock, you know? A hundred percent. I remember, uh, but no, I remember that, that, that uh, us talking about work. Often we start we start talking about work and, and some of the, the similar trends. But, but speaking of tech, you know, you put in the chat about DAOs. And I know we do like mm-hmm. to get into tech, which is... DAOs, what is that for? A distributed Autonomous Organization? Uh, I think an- Anonymous? Distributed? I'm not, oh, Jesus. I, 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 I think it's know. Autonomous, but, you know, okay. notes, well, notes being. It's not an Autonomous, it's humans. There's no, is it? Oh, well, Autonomous being no. that it, it, it. You're right. You're correct. You're correct. <laughs> How, why would I doubt you? You, you Googled this, of course. <laughs> I, did, I did Google it, but I think it's Autonomous, <laughs> not like Autonomous Driving, but like the organization sort of is self-directing in a sense or like, you know, it's from the community, but it, it, I mean, it's a, it's, let's say it's a grandiose title. Um, you know, we talked about NFCs when that was the hypiest stuff uh, out there, which by the way, I saw that there's the first ever, um, NFC museum opening in Seattle, or at least an exhibit, which I guess they're trying to be on the cutting edge, which kind of struck me as like, I don't know how to feel about this on the one hand cool but what am i really seeing like i could replicate that museum here i, I, I don't know without the digital signatures like I, 
how does that sit with you? Yeah, that, that sounds silly. It's <laughs> like, all right, here's yeah. a, just an exhibit. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's an exhibit. Like the ownership of this is irrelevant. I don't, you know, <laughs> I don't know who may or may not own another piece of art in a regular non NFT gallery. I, why, why would this be any different? But, uh, kind of on that front, there's a, a thing I did see there. Someone selling, have you heard of NBA top shot? Yeah. 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 They're the one of the first yeah, big so, NFTs, right? Yeah. Yeah, so someone selling like a whatever digital picture frame to show your top shot NFTs in the in the real world. So it's like three hundred bucks. The frame only works with NFTs, uh, you know, approved NFTs. Yeah. Right now, they just have a partnership with the, the yeah. Top Shot, made by Dapper Labs. Maybe they expanded, but you have to have ownership for the thing to even work. I'm like, guys, this is just a monitor playing a. Yeah, like eight second clip from a basketball game. Like, you can just put up a YouTube playlist and a monitor and I don't know a Mac, a, a, a uh, you know a very cheap computer and do this and it'd be way better. I'm like, I just boy, this world is nuts. <laughs> Dude, I I was watching the NFL I think last weekend. It was a commercial. You probably seen it. It was like uh, twenty thousand limited edition NFTs. This game like tickets, but not tickets. And I'm like, I it, so you're just watching it. And like I'm gonna I'm gonna I, it, to me, like I, I, I cannot get my head around it, Jeremy. Like there are, and you know, in economics, you have normal goods. You use it, you consume it. You have luxury goods, which are, you know, let's say, uh, it's partly to get the impression of like a Mercedes, like the the social approval of having a luxury good, and and so on and so forth. It's different different kind of goods. I I've ne- I can't get my head around a good like this. I just can't get my head around why you be watching and say, well, I want to give up twenty dollars to get this digital signature of this ticket of this game I'm watching at home on television. I, I can't get my head around it, Jerry. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, again, it's uh, every value is what someone's willing to pay for. Right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> like this. So, if, but to me, I view it as, uh, these are like long term. I don't know, picture books or collectibles. Like, the one benefit of blockchains is that yeah. we assume and think they will go into the future in a way is centralized. Let's say Pinterest, maybe Pinterest goes away or maybe, you know, Microsoft buys Pinterest. It's like, eh, you know, we're going to change this up and yeah. we're recreating boards or whatever, destroy some previous work, right? We're on a blockchain of, Hey, I got my whatever clipping yeah. or my, you know, ticket of this game. And like, all right, theoretically, as long as this, continues to operate you know i'll have it in the future so to me that's the only upside i could see of putting the stuff on a chain i get i don't know why you'd want to have a lions versus whatever e <laughs> you know uh, nft ticket uh that sounds dumb to me but if you are interested for some reason i i kind of get why you want it on a chain and not just you know ticket master's own database yeah I, I just in case I don't know a hundred years from now Ticketmaster doesn't exist. I don't know. <laughs> I you know I can I a little bit I can squint and see it, but I, like you said, like I think you talked about this one, which was like the, the example you just gave for concerts, where you say, okay, you go to the concert and you add five dollars to the concert ticket and you get an NFT, which then goes into a digital collection book, which you like, and it's really like the you know the the keepsake and you can only get this if you're in the but you know like at one point in time i wrote down every concert i've ever been to and and i had a spreadsheet 
and then I lost that spreadsheet. And I guess I would like to have that spreadsheet back, but like just writing it down was enough for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't know. You know, like I think for for a long time, man, I um I had like a shoebox, and I I put all the tickets from like yeah concerts yeah. and I think movie tickets, yeah. sports events. I just threw threw it in the shoebox. I think that shoebox is somewhere in storage. I don't know what the hell I would do with any, uh, you know. Yeah, I, I, don't. I, I don't know that I went to a USC football game seven years ago. Like I, I don't know. I, you I don't know, know, I went to a Drake concert, but uh, kept them. So there's something there. I don't know. Humans like to catalog their adventures. Yeah, so I mean, you can take a picture of the that. picture of the concert, put it in your photo Google Photos, and it'll remind you every year. So I mean, there's 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 other ways you can do this, you know what I mean? Without yeah, forking over sure. money. But yeah. I, I, look, I don't, on the one hand, the fact that this explosion of these offerings makes sense to me because, uh, you know, it's pure profit. Why not? On the other hand, and, and I understand the idea that you really only need a very niche audience to make a product like this work. Like Beanie Babies were on every uh, tele, what was, what was it, in, in commercial shopping channel when we were in the late 90s. and I like QVC. QVC and stuff. And it was always on Beanie Babies. And, you know, you'd say, oh, I've never met anyone that bought them. But they don't need that many people buying them because they're selling like little Beanie Babies for actual money. And so everyone, everything is pure profit. I get that. But I'm still long run. I will be shocked if this is like a mainstream thing, but I've been wrong before on these things, but DAOs, digitally, digital yep. autonomous organizations. Now tell us about what the heck these are, because this is now, I think you got to hear it here first and last week chopped up. I think they're going to be kind of like NFTs all over the news, potentially for me for different reasons. So what's a DAO, Jeremy? Yeah. So obviously you got the name right and I don't. And I think as far as what they are, um, everyone's still trying to figure it out. So a reason I mentioned it to you, which I assume you've uh, Googled, but people might've heard of is the constitution DAO. And I'll just say Dow. Yeah. Uh, I assume it's that, but yeah, whatever. Correct not? Later if it's not, um, but there was a copy of the constitution going up on auction. Um, I think there's only like, you know, in the teens, uh, versions of copies that exist. Yep. So, uh, I think it started off as a kind of meme joke on the internet and then folks just kind of decided, Hey, can we bid on this and try to win a copy or own a copy of the constitution? So long story short, a DAO was formed. Um, they were taking Ethereum as the currency of note to transact. Uh, we'll come back to the issues with that, but. Essentially, you can send in your Ethereum uh, to this organization and in the contract itself or the contracts they try to write it. So we can only use this yep. for getting the Constitution. And if we do not purchase the Constitution, it goes back into a, you know, the that different wallet and you can get refunds of, you know, what you've contributed. Yep. So they ended up raising, I think, like 40 Seven million, but after what you got to hold for taxes and fees yeah. and yada yada Sotheby's <laughs> holding, it's like they could be able to think forty three million. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was the first time that Sotheby's used um, cryptocurrency as like proof of value or worth to mm. allow you to bid um, because they were bidding against uh, very very rich people who uh, <laughs> yeah. whose worth was already verified. So they ended up only losing the bid by like I think a couple hundred thousand so the guy wanted uh, i think run some hedge fund or something and he bought it for 43.2 million uh but it was kind of a hey this is crazy a group of people within two weeks just 
kind of decided, let's try to own a copy of the Constitution. Though, whom owns, who would own the Constitution and what your contribution actually got with you um, is quite interesting because no individual would, it's not like you own one ten thousand. So I want you to cut my piece off and send it to me. Like, that's not it. Um, And what you were getting for your donation was a yet-to-be-distributed token which um, would give you the right to vote on upcoming uh, decisions about the Constitution. I guess mostly yeah. where to display it. And, you know, if we put, you know, Justin contributed XX35 on a scrolling banner above yeah. it or something, you know, like you'd vote on that. Um, and to me, that's when it gets kind of weird with DAOs because it kind of sounds like just a regular business or organization shareholders um it's company yeah i got shareholders or you know again we're a non-profit and we each have voting rights based on whatever criteria we want yeah um so what it allows you to do is unclear other than maybe being able to operate fast in a very loosely regulated space uh in a way that maybe you couldn't with you know, traditional thing. Like if you're wanting to gather this money on PayPal from all these folks, maybe like, oh, I don't, this seems like a scam. So we're going to hold this money. You can't bid. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, seems like something nefarious is happening. So I get that a part of it of, Hey, but that's just generally crypto. Hey, it's just still right now, very unregulated. Yeah. So you can do this stuff, but I don't necessarily get what makes, what will make these different than a normal organization. Cause this, again, a lot of the specifics of internet or if you're going to interact with things in the physical world, it really just looks like a normal yeah. organization. Cause you're like, all right, well, someone has to hold the constitution and own it. And who's going to do that? Right. And you know, like, and what <laughs> rights are we given to them? And what contract do we actually have that a lawyer reviewed and yada, yada, yada. So that to me is when you start to be like, well, why did this need to be decentralized? Why does this need new tech? What, what, why are we why are we doing it this way? <laughs> so I think it'll be a hot space. I have another friend. He's in one, a gaming one, and um, he has no idea what it'll do. I think it costs him like 200 bucks to, you know, on there when they're minting whatever NFT they're minting to get in. And he's like, I'm doing this just to understand how this could possibly work. I feel yeah. like I'm just, the $200 is gone, but I'm generally intrigued of make this space make sense to me. So putting <laughs> putting some uh, getting in the game a little bit, putting a little of his own money in there to try to understand it. So that's how I understand DAOs right now. Uh, your thoughts, questions? It, so it's interesting to me to think about. One, my reaction is similar to yours, that it feels like a structure that already exists, but outside the regulatory environment that those structures must um, uh, adhere to, which then sounds a lot like the cryptocurrency arc overall, which is this is a concept that already exists in this in the cryptocurrency, the case of currency. And the concept has always exist with a central assurance of value, either a gold standard or a, or a fiat standard where you're, you're sort of the value of the currency is your trust in the central bank, not to print a ton of it. And if you live in a country like Argentina, where they print 20% of the monetary base every year and there's inflation of 20% every year, you invest less in that currency because it's worth it's worth less because of the fiat the deal between you and the the central the central agency is 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 been broken in, in in some ways so it feels like the same 
Similarly, it in this case feels more decentralized. But as you said, there's many corporate structures that are decentralized by nature. Corporations are meant to be decentralized with shareholders having voting power. And that's the whole nature of a corporation is there, is there meant to be a decentralized power structure unlike a, unlike a limited liability partnership, for example. That's not meant to be. But what I find most interesting is this idea of contracts. Everything I read was like we rely on smart contracts, which I'm an economist. And the funny thing about economics is when you first learn economics, they talk about how contracts will solve everything. So I don't know if have you heard of the Coase theorem in economics, Jeremy? I have not. The Coase theorem is this guy, Ronald Coase, law professor, economist, professor at the University of Chicago back in the day. And it says uh, for cases of market externalities, so the power plant, coal power plant next to the neighborhood polluting, the Coase theorem says it doesn't matter. What matters is you assign property rights. If the power plant has the right to pollute or the people have the right to clean air, under the Coase theorem, in both cases, they'll work out a deal. If the people have the right to clean air, the power plant will work out some deal where they pollute the air somewhat and give them compensation for the, for the polluted air. And if the power plant has the right to pollute, the people will work out some way to collectively act and pay the power plant to clean up the, their act a little bit to the optimal point in both cases. And in practice, this never happens because... Um, we know that bargaining doesn't work this way. If you assign a property right to a firm, it's very hard for a large group of people to actually organize to, to make a bargain with you. If you assign it to a large group of people, it's hard for the firm to group that people. But generally, it, it works a little better if you assign it to the group because then you have a forcing function for the, for the right. And so, like you said, as soon as you get a little down the track, you're like, okay, in theory, that sounded great. Coast theorem sounded great. But in practice, bargaining dynamics mean, and here, in, in, in the same thing, in theory, smart contracts sound great, but someone's going to have to walk in the building and take the contract, and there's no way to write a cryptographic contract around that. And, and so to me, it just feels like, it feels like what we see in the cryptocurrency space. It's mimicking a structure that already exists outside of the regulatory environment. And the question will be, will those regulatory environments pop up, in which case it's no longer that Cool, maybe it solves some invoicing problem of money, but Kickstarter sounds a lot like this. It's just, you know, different, right? So I don't know. Funny you mentioned Kickstarter. I saw an article (laughs) yesterday. They are starting another company, a subsidiary, which they haven't named yet, but they wanted to get this information out before they got a name. (laughs) Um, With the interest in uh, cryptocurrency, and they're going to make a decentralized backend, essentially, so they can mimic Kickstarter's functionality, and yeah. once they stand up this functionality, they will transition Kickstarter's back end from their current centralized whatever system they use to this new company's decentralized platform, and then the new company would also license it out to others if they wanted to make their own version or you know do similar uh, actions. This makes no sense to me. I have no idea <laughs> the upside of saying we have a system currently that works. And we're going to make a new one and replace it for no apparent reason. Like, I think you could just as easily consume cryptocurrency in your current system and keep it centralized. <laughs> so, yeah, even with, uh, you know, things like you said, Kickstarter, even they're trying to get in the space, which to me still just doesn't make any sense whatsoever what the benefit is of mm-hmm. taking a currently functioning product and moving it to a decentralized blockchain database. Because... <laughs> <laughs> just I, yeah, I don't know. Usually in cryptography, you ask the question, where does the trust lie? Because you often have a trusted party in, in, crypt, in, crypt, in crypt, cryptographic situations, right? So um, if you think of this, this example you gave, I would ask the question, where does the trust lie? 
because so the trust might not the trust would maybe for instance not lie in the fact that if the if the good wasn't purchased the money is returned because that's something that we can put into a contract in that that in a consensus way we can agree upon potentially but then when the good has to be gone retrieved and done something with in some sense the founding initial group there has to be trust in those people. Just like in a corporation, all those shareholders can vote, the board of governors and the CEO and so forth ultimately are trusted parties. It doesn't work without those people being acting in the best interest of the whole. In both cases, I think the trust still rests on those leaders. It's a way to form a group, but this idea that it's autonomous in a way that's sort of self-steering, I think oversells it a bit for a lot of real-world cases because you simply can't write a contract that can be executed within the confines of the system you can imagine like um some contracts could be right um but but this one you gave it can't i still think the trust still lies the small group of people and that is a lot of times you see this in cryptographic solutions that the trust still lies with 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 there's still there's still a trusted party whereas bitcoin or cryptocurrency in general that there is not that concept the trust in effect lies with Whoever has 51% of the computing power of the network, and if no one can really amass that much, the trust is really distributed. Here, I don't so much see that. So I don't know. You, you still, it just feels like a way, like a, maybe a convenient mechanism to form a group like this, to form what looks like a, um, a corporation or a trust. Um, and, and maybe that's an attractive thing for people to do. I can, if you, you know, if tomorrow, Jeremy, you wanted to stand up a corporation or a trust, there'd be a lot of legal loopholes for you to go through. You'd probably have to hire a pretty expensive attorney and so on and so forth. And here you wouldn't, that's kind of cool. So if, you know, you wanted to like, you know, make a DAO to re-sign, uh, Carlos Correa to the Astros to collect money, you know, know, like you could, because then I think let's help out that ownership, right? Sure. They wouldn't sell us any bit of the Astros. You know, so you you could, and maybe the trust there would like not lie with anyone because we could all agree if it was re-signed or not legally and so on and so forth. And, and, and we could only vote to release the money if, if he was holding a piece of paper on camera and we could do it. So the trust would be decentralized. So maybe there could be cases like this where you don't have to trust anyone because it's so specified uh, in, in the contract, but, and it's, would be kind of interesting if fan groups did this. I, when I'm on Reddit, everyone's like, if we all, you know, there's there's 3 million people in Houston if we all just gave $10. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's not how things work, man. You know, like 100% of people don't do shit, you know, but, um, <laughs> but I, I, it's kind of interesting to Whatever you're suggesting, if we all gave $10 for, we should definitely be using all that money for something else. Yeah, whatever exactly. whatever the, the reason we're raising it for, probably the first reason know? to do this. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I, man, I think, uh, yeah, well, I think we'll see how it comes again, different uh, structure for organization. I think um, if everything is all digital and the things you're to receive or what we're voting on and try to change is also sure. on the blockchain and that's kind of somewhat in the contract of self-verification on chain completely, maybe there's upside because of, you know, ultimately, like you said, if it's, we got to trust someone that Carlos Correa actually signed. All right. Who that? Exactly. <laughs> you know, because what if that person, what if he does it? And I go like, nope, he did. We're keeping the money. Yeah. He, did, he signed. <laughs> you know. That's what I mean. Like, if you actually go through the logic of what buttons got to get pressed, I mean, you could, it, you know, the world is a few, I, I could imagine like, well, there's some video digital signature of this happening and this happens and you, you, you can, you can kind of contort your brain, but ultimately it feels like there's trust. 
in the system. And that's where I'd say, well, is this really distributed autonomous organization or is this really a, a, uh, you know, off the books corporation. And, and that's fine. That Corporations are very useful structures, right? Like it, it, democratizing corporations could be a really cool idea. That could be a really cool idea, but let's not oversell it. So yeah, um, like all these things, you know, you can always come to me and I'll always be salty on the new stuff. So I'm unsalty on it. Sounds like you're interested, <laughs> skeptical, you know, curious. I'm interested, you know, just, just like NFTs, but I think the current applications are like, all right, so you just made a corporation again. Okay. Cool. So now we need to, this is going to have the most upside if you, if everything remains digital. Because as soon as you need to interact with the real world, you're trusting. A lot of the benefits go away because a lawyer does need to read a contract and sign off on whatever the thing we're actually trying to do or own or change hands because someone physically has to touch it. And, you know, we need to make sure they don't touch it and then disappear. Like, hey, I got the Constitution and I just am taking it somewhere. (laughs) i'm I'm, I'm a thousand percent with you let's uh switch gears world of sports so it's been a wacky week in sports um let's lead off the oklahoma city thunder lost by an nba record what did they lose by 72 points i think it was 73 73 points to the memphis grizzlies who are pretty decent you know slightly above average team i know they were missing some players jeremy but tell me how this can happen to lose to get basically doubled up how, how can that happen? I honestly have no idea. So, you know, the Grizzlies without their best player. The Thunder were without their best player as well, and maybe even their second best player. So the Thunder, are you know, when they have their whole team, they're competitive, right? They yeah, might they're... win 40% of their games if everyone was playing and, yeah. you know, they try to win. But they're also an interesting team that they are pretty young and yeah. play a lot of young players. So their depth... Um, isn't necessarily there. So if they get a couple guys that aren't playing, they get bad very fast. But there is bad, and we got (laughs) beat. And then there's bad that this is the worst loss in NBA history. And as this was going on, one, I had to like triple check the score on a few different sites as the game was developing. I'm like, oh, man, they're down by 40. All right, I look back, I'm like, all right, that's... That's 50. I look back I'm like, all right, this is 60. Like they are more than doubling them at one point. I'm just texting people like, are you, are you seeing this? Like, you texted me. Insane. You texted usually, me. Yeah. Because usually, you know, you're beating someone down. It's like, all right, you take your foot off the gas or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, they come you back. You put in so. whoever. But, and, yeah. yeah. But the Thunder, they're also getting into their bench and they're playing guys that never play. I'm oh, sorry, not the Thunder, but the Grizzlies. And they're playing guys that don't yeah. play much. And they're like, yo. I'm on the court. I want to get buckets. Like, I don't get in a lot. So yeah, they are sure. hard. Yeah, so then it was uh, yeah, it, it was just a very much a Twitter moment. People were like, oh, my God. I can't, like, this is about to be the worst loss in NBA history. Like, I can't believe I'm watching this. Um, so, I don't know, man. I can't imagine, you know, when you go home. I think they had three days off until their <laughs> next game. And I feel there's a situation where it's... It feels better to play sooner than to be sitting with. We have the worst loss in history for three yeah. days before you can play again. And I can only imagine if you're the coach, like what do you say, or the team president, just like I don't even yeah. have. Let's put words this behind us. You, you know, we just go forward. <laughs> like, just we made history. I guess you know, feel about that how you will, and you know, let's move on and play the Dallas Mavericks. Like, let's just let's just get on to the next game. Oh man, I you know, we've all had bad days at work, but it's not on national television. I, I, honestly, I woke up. You were like, 
hey, check out that score line when you wake up. And I looked at it. I did the same thing. I was like, that can't, what am I looking at here? You know what I mean? <laughs> and then I saw all the articles like, because, you know, for the listeners out there that aren't huge basketball fans, the Thunder have been amassing draft picks like no one else in history. I think they have so many first round draft picks and they've been kind of tanking or being at the bottom of the league for a little bit of time now. And it looks like it's, you know, you texted me, what's the end game in all of this? Like at, at a certain point, guys need to see the court. And I saw an article by John Hollinger on The Athletic who I, who I like, and it was, he was just like, all right, enough is enough. You know, like this should never happen. Like, I don't care who's playing or what, like these are NBA players. Like, you know, in the world basketball championships and the U S plays like, you know, some small country, they don't, they don't beat them by 75 points. You know what I mean? It's not like, yeah, this, this is not a uh, dream team versus uh, no, Angola or no, whatever back in the day. No, it's a, these are, these are guys, with a lot of parody. So it'll be interesting to see i'm actually you know the rockets of course we're fans of the rockets and they've won a bunch of games straight and on the message seven board, straight they seven won straight. last night beat yeah. the beat the nets the nets yeah. did not have durant but hey you play who you, you play your schedule right yeah exactly <laughs> you know and i'm thinking people in the message boards are like you know we got to be tanking at draft picks i'm like you know what i'm still a fan like if they're out if these guys are out there winning i'm all i'm here for it like i like that they're winning and if it costs a draft pick that's fine shoot you know who knows they could make the playoffs to me i think it's like that that tank mentality when you're out there to like if the players really know I don't think the Thunder were out there to lose by the way I don't think they're tanking this year but you have seen teams tank where they like win two games in a row then rest all their starters and all that to me it must be a really defeating mentality to be like what are we doing here like this is a contest it's a game could, could you play in that environment yeah so I think it's I think a tanking tanking is um coaching decision or you know personnel organizational yeah. decision a player doesn't tank no no no, no. if you're playing you are yeah, trying playing to hard. do your best yeah, yeah. and win the game right and that's why as you said it'll be hey the starters aren't playing or three starters aren't playing tonight yeah because it's like yeah if i play you you i know you you're going to try to win this game yeah so i'm gonna take that decision away from you and just not play you yeah. or you're gonna exactly. be hurt for yeah, exactly. the next month wink yeah. you're hurt yeah wink. exactly um, so i think um you know tanking is all good until you start to get players who you think are actually your future. Yeah. Because, you know, I've heard it said many times on some pods, being like, hey, if you grow up in a culture of losing all the time and you never learn how to win, when it's winning time, you don't have the muscles no. and know how to do it, no. right? I don't know how to win. You taught no. me to lose for four or five years. So yeah. I'm used to losing and doing dumb shit, no. <laughs> right? Because, yeah. you know, you're just like, ah, you made terrible decisions at the end of the game. That's eh, fine. We're tanking. It's all right. It's fine. We you lost. Know, it's fine. I yeah. think that's that's the decision point. So, you know, the Thunder have Shea Gildas Alexander. Looks, you know, pretty Looks good awesome guy. Player. Borderline yeah, yeah. all-star. They got a deal on Lou, Lugens Dort. Yep. <laughs> Lou Dort. I think they signed it for like four years for $6 million. Absolute steal. So they, yep. they've got a decent little base there. Um, and I think you do kind of have to make these decisions of, hey, when you're a talent but you're, you know, you're not there. You're still learning. And like, okay, it's fine if you lose. You know, even if we tried to win, you could, we couldn't win. You're not good enough. When they start to kind of figure out how to play, that's kind of the point where got to, where I think I'm like, all right, yeah. we can't just lose anymore because yeah. this person who we think is our franchise leader has to learn to win games for us. Yeah. And th that has to start as soon as they quote unquote start figuring it out. Because if we delay it, that's the perfect way. So you got to re-sign this guy because everyone re-signs on your rookie contract. And if he gets good, 
two scenarios. One, GM, you're fired because it took it took yeah. six years until he's good and they start winning. Or two, he's gonna sign and be like, All right, we've sucked for seven years. I'm sick of this. Trade me. Yeah, exactly. Right? And that's that's kind of the two outcomes that we're seeing this trying to be avoided in Minnesota right now with like Carl Anthony Towns and it's been like, hey, we kinda need to actually win because uh, the NBA is very player friendly and it's always right around the corner for them going, you know what? I'm good. Uh, continue to pay me my $40 million, but I don't want to play for this team. Trade me, oh, please. Dude, Thank you. The, I, 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 the psychology of being okay with losing, like you said, in the, lo- the locker room, because like you said, it, I've seen message boards where you know a tanking team plays a good team close, misses a couple of free throws late, and then the message board's like, thank God we missed. And uh, you, you imagine the general manager's probably thinking the same thing. I used to coach mm-hmm. soccer in college. I think you know that. Like little kids, 10 to 14-year-olds. And the parents would always be like, hey, you know, we got to have a balance of emphasis on winning and having fun. And, and so I always t- tell the kids, like, hey, you know, winning isn't everything. That's very true. We played clean, blah, blah, blah. But winning is more fun than losing. Let's be very clear. And let's not mince words about this. <laughs> winning is fun. Losing is not fun. So, like, winning isn't everything, but it's way more fun than losing. So let's have that mentality. And I was coaching, I coached this one team that uh, they lost, I barely remember this, but they lost every game up until the final game. And we were, it was like the B team versus the A team in the same club. And they're like, we're playing the A team. We can't beat them. I was like, you yeah, you know, it's 12 year old girl soccer, man. Anything can happen. I didn't say that, but I'm thinking you know, anything can happen. <laughs> and, and we won. And afterwards, they were like, Coach Justin, you're right. Winning is more fun. Because even when we were losing, I was telling them, winning's more fun. You know, like, I'm going to be real. I'll always love with you. Winning is more fun. So, it, like you said, you're a rookie on that squad for four years, losing 60 games a year, 70 games a year for four years. You're having no fun with that organization, let alone the psychology of maybe losing that killer instinct, you know? Yeah, it just, you know, you turn on sports center or whatever, see yourself get destroyed. Again, oh, like, yeah. oh, all right, they're just crushing us in the media for the fourth yeah. year in a row that we suck and we lose. I'm like, well, uh, what your record is, you, you do suck and you lose, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, that to me is that idea um, that, you know, if you listen to some sports podcasts, the kind of question like, are you a winning player? Yeah. Because it's also hard to tell if you're on these teams that lose a lot. And you're like, all right, he's putting up good numbers. We think he's good. But, like, if he was on a good team, could you be a top three player? Like, are you actually yeah, the a winning question. mentality and do winning decisions, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's tough to tell with some folks because there's, like, uh, you know, em- kind of the empty calories, I think. Barry uh, Sanders, Good you know? stats, bad team. Yeah, and exactly. Like, are, these, are you just getting a good numbers because your team sucks and you can do whatever you want? And if you're on a good team, you cannot fit well with that structure. So, to me, that's always an interesting concept. If, you know, there's no real proof point until it's like all right we got to put you in a team that doesn't suck and yeah. then we'll know but until then it's just you yeah. know flip of the coin yeah. and, you know if you're a general manager you're just hoping the guy's got good fundamentals i'll talk you know i talk to his mama and the people around him you know he's got a <laughs> he's got a good heart still yeah. has passion like, okay yeah. i guess that's the signal go get him yeah <laughs> no i'm 100 with you speaking of competitiveness so i got to put a plug in the f1 finals is this week Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton are tied in points going in the final race. So whoever win gets first or, or whoever beats the other uh, guy in the race quick, will quick win. Quick question for me. They are not both like Mercedes. Are we Mercedes and Red Bull? It's Mercedes and Red Bull. Lewis is with Mercedes okay. and Max is with Red Bull. So they're tied. The thing is, while they are tied, Max has won more races than Lewis. So if they if they somehow both don't finish the race, would be a scenario almost surely they crash each other. Max will win. So Lewis has got to race Max, but Max knows if he takes Lewis out, Max wins. 
And Max, I'll tell you, has shown in the last two races, he's almost taken Lewis out like four times because in each of those races, Lewis was behind in points. Lewis has won the last two races. So if mm. Max had taken Lewis out, Lewis doesn't catch up. And he's, I'm going to say he's tried to take him out, but he's done things where if Lewis didn't take evasive action, Max would have taken him out. And so this whole week, they've been asking what's going to happen, blah, blah. And Max just came out and said, he's like, I don't think I've done anything wrong. I'm just going to drive aggressive, be my normal self, be me, see what happens. And you're like, okay, like there's going to be drama. So like I would say if you watch one F1 race, these two guys, and Lewis is like, I don't think he's going to go for it. I think he's super calm. I'll predict he's going to prevail. But it's going to be a spicy one, I think, uh, for the F1 finale. So if you catch one F1 race in your life, this might be the one to catch. Okay, so that is it is surprising uh, to me to hear that like, the consideration, hey, will he take Lewis out? Because this is not NASCAR where, quote-unquote, rubbing is no, racing. No. Uh, these are very light cars yeah. that I think they generally try to not touch each other yeah. whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. If, if they touch, they'll both go out of the race. But if they both go out of the race, Max will win. So, you know, if they, yeah, if they touch at all, basically the cars are like carbon fiber, bro. Like, they break instantly. <laughs> so, like... <laughs> It could be the first lap because, you know, they just start from the standing still and it's all pandemonium. Like Lewis is going to want to like it's going to be wild to have these incentives where like one guy went. If there's a crash, he wins. If he wins, he wins. Lewis has to stay clean, not get in any dust ups and win, which is a lot harder. And like I said, in the last race, Max ran him off the road twice. And like, oh, I'm sitting in the Netherlands and I'll do respect to the guy. I can't say it was not in his head that if he wrecked him, if they both wrecked, it would benefit Max. So we'll see. It's Red Bull versus Mercedes. It's Max versus Lewis, and it's a title championship. So it will be wake up early on the West Coast, Jeremy, or catch it on record. I think it might be worth catching. Yeah, I mean, to, let's be honest uh, here, champ. I'll probably just see the headline. <laughs> probably, I mean, what, do these happen when I'm asleep? Like, what time is it even? They usually happen on at, the West at, Coast. At, they usually happen at, at well, the, the race in there was three races in America. There was a race in, in Mexico and Austin, Texas, and Brazil. Those have been convenient for you. This one, I think, will be at like four o'clock my time, which is like a little too early for like seven a.m. your time. So, now nah, I don't think it's gonna be that sweet a time. So, wake up, check it out, see if there's drama. You know, I'm going for Lewis, uh, no doubt. So, but. You know, um, we'll we'll, I, we'll see how we'll see how it goes. Just 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 yeah. I'll look forward to the recap of the dynamic uh, final race uh, here and the the Max's tactics. of he scared the living crap out of Lewis, and that just let him slide by the inside for to win the race. Sure, for sure, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Well, look, man, great chopping up with you. I know that the workday awaits you, and the uh, dinner awaits me. Uh, thanks for all our supporters. We love the support. We are at LWCU Podcast on all social channels. If you're on YouTube or a podcast channel, hit like, subscribe, and so on and so forth. Jeremy, last words to the choppers today? Uh, as always, catch you later, choppers. Catch you later, choppers. <laughs> <laughs>